such a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm Pastor Chris, if you don't know me. Um, one of the campus pastors here at the church. And it's so good to talk about this topic. If you're visiting for the first time, we're in a series called um, Hunger or Hungry for God. And we have illustrations up here that talk about what you can do with your hunger. And sometimes we misplace our hunger and we consume things that are temporary. And that tends to be a vicious cycle because how many know if you try to fill your spiritual hunger with earthly things, you'll go hungry again, right? And I just want to honor Pastor Derek and Pastor Stacy. Before I go any further, thank you for the opportunity. And before I go into the word, can you, give, can you help me welcome with a lot of energy and applause our Tri-County Bellingham campus in Framingham? We love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing in, the, in that region. Pastor Cliff, Nicole, thank you so much. We're so proud of you and the team. And Pastor Devin, I'll see you soon. Thank you for being there. Um, just a quick recap. Pastor Devin kicked off the, the series talking about how uh, being hungry for God, how that is connected to the favor of God. How many remember that message? That was a good message, right? Well, I got two tables here today. All right. Real estate is growing, unlike in society. Some of you got that. And then Pastor Derek, he talked about hungry to hear God and, and some principles and, and, and some wisdom. And I love our, our lead and senior pastor because he, he knows how to bring such uh, wisdom to decision making. In fact, one of the things that I've grown the most in here at Connect is decision making. It's, it's understanding that when you hear the word of God, you're actually bringing counsel to your decision making instead of asking God to bless the things that you think are best. Isn't that such a good way to look at it? And, and today we're going to talk about hungry to practice. Tell the person next to you, let's practice the hunger. Go ahead. I know that at the Regal Cinemas it may be a little difficult, but why don't you scream it down to the front row, practice this. God bless you. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go into some definitions. I'll share a big idea. We'll have a key verse in Daniel. And then I'll go into the blessing, the dangers of spiritual hunger or neglecting it. And what I really want to focus on is the snack life of spiritual hunger. And I have, I think someone said, mmm. <laughs> Now I have seven practicals for us today, broken up into three categories. So that's where you go. That's where we're going, for the A types. But um, how I introduce it is like this: hunger isn't something that you can teach. If I teach, that may make you hungry for God, but you can't be taught that. In the same way that when you were born and you got hungry, did anybody teach you to be hungry? You just got hungry. You just developed hunger. And I believe that your spiritual hunger is the same way. You can't be taught this. It is developed. And it is something that just happens the more you feed the Spirit. Amen? And so let me just intro you with this. Hunger is, and if you want to write this down in summary, it's, it's a universal experience that we all recognize. It's this thing called hunger. Some of you are hungry right now. 
I can hear the rumblings. It's not the bass and the sound. And whether it's, you know, that sound or a deep longing for something meaningful in life, do I have your attention? We've all felt it. We've all been there. Similarly, there's a spiritual hunger that resides deep within the core of who we are. And this is what I want you to take away from the intro. It's a desire, a strong desire, a wanting, a wanting to connect with something greater or someone greater, God. And so today we'll delve into what it means to be spiritually hungry for God. Day in the life. I want to talk about what this looks like on Monday. Not just here in this place where we feel like we're in a different altitude because of the praise and the worship and the common values and how there's momentum in this room. But how can you be hungry on Tuesday? How can you be hungry on Wednesday? So I'll try to get into that. But there's a difference between spiritual hunger and physical hunger. Someone say, tell me. Say it louder, I won't tell you. And here's the big idea. I'm going to try to speak slow because I want you to, I want you to not just hear this, I, I want you to understand because it'll sound a little philosophical, but, but if you're able to grasp this, it'll help you, okay? What you starve physically, what you starve physically makes you hungry spiritually. Okay? What you feed spiritually grows insatiably. You must do both at the same time. I knew I'd have to repeat it. <laughs> I said, let me go slow. And so what you starve physically makes you hunger physically, spiritually. This is why I didn't want to repeat it. <laughs> what you starve physically makes you hunger spiritually. So what you cut here makes you focus there. What you feed there or what you feed spiritually grows insatiably. Meaning the more you feed your spirit, the more feeding you'll require. But you can't just cut off or just feed. Because I've heard this hunger story a couple different ways. And it's like, so it's you'll grow whatever you starve the most. No, no, no. It's whatever you feed the most. But the Bible says that we must always pray and fast. And this is what I'm trying to get to. Because you pray so that you can connect to God but you fast so that you can disconnect from the world. And so what I'm trying to tell you is this. Feed your passion for God with hunger. Write that down. Feed your passion for God with hunger, desire, wanting. And feed your hunger with passion for Him. Another way of saying that is, focus on loving God and pursue Him through what you can do for Him. Amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you're here. And because you're also present, even for those that are watching online in Bellingham, in Framingham, we know that even, even though I'm the one speaking, you're the one that's present. And even though it's my voice and the microphone, these are your truths, and these are your principles, and these are your people. And so I thank you, Lord, that we get to learn from the Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray that you would make yourself manifest throughout the message. Help me disappear in this moment, Lord, so that they would see you for who you are in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. And everybody said? And everybody said? Amen. Love that. I'm trying to get you going, okay? Thank you so much. Uh, if you would open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 6, I want to introduce this anchor verse that showcases us a hunger battle. And maybe you've never looked at it through this lens, but we're going to read this together. So if you didn't read your Bible this week, you're going to get your quota in this morning. Can I get an Amen. So open your Bible up to Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. So that's 6, 16. If you, if you found it, shout yes. yes. All right. So just to set up the story, I can't, I'm not going to teach on the book of Daniel, but if you've never read this book, it's a prophetic book. It's in the Old Testament. And there was this spiritual seer. Uh, it's a rich book. And him... Uh, and others were basically taken into captivity in the city of Babylon after the southern empire of Israel was destroyed. And we're going to pick up the story in this place where Daniel refused to bow down or eat from the king's feast. But then his officials caught him in a trap because of a decree that he had made in the past. And so he was forced to send his friend Daniel, who he had favor over, into the lion's, the lion's den who were hungry. Okay, that's where we are in the story. Um, I'm going to go into this scene, so let's read real quick in verse 16. And it says, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and threw him into where? The lion's den. There's an S there. More than one. They threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually, rescue you. <laughs> Look at me for a sec. Don't be afraid to be put in a situation where you make heaven move on your behalf. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. No way out. It's okay. When the world thinks that there's no exit strategy... God himself will give you the exit strategy. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles. So that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel with an anguished voice. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God. Something's changing in the heart of the king. 
Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And let me tell you something. This is a question of the king, but this is also the question of the world today to Christians. Will your God be able to save you? And they're asking that question right now. Will your God be able to save you? The one that you're faithful to, the one that you serve continually, the one that you've put your faith into all these years, the question that the world is still asking is, will your God save you? And Daniel answered, O king, lowercase k, live forever. My God sent an angel. And he shut the mouths of the lions. Come on, somebody. I like to say it like this. If you're man or a woman enough, God is God enough to do the impossible in your life. Now, there's something happening in this scene. Because typically, if you read parallel history, these lions, these animals... They weren't fed before a situation like this. They were made to starve. They were made to hunger so that whatever the edict or the sentencing was would happen fast. And I would encourage you to research this and back up your own doubts as I try to tell you this story. So it is logical for us to understand that if the job of the lions were to eat whoever was thrown into the lion's den, that they were not fed before the throwing of Daniel into the cave. And so there's something happening here because the lions, they were hungry. But so was Daniel. And something happened in a 24-hour period because the mouths of the lions were sealed. And what happened was this. Daniel's hunger for God was greater than the lion's hunger for him. And I believe it's time for the church to be so hungry for God that it closes the mouth of the assignment against your life and the opposition loses its appetite because you're too far into God that they can't touch you. Can I get an amen this morning? I'm just getting started. And so there's two battles. There's a hunger. And my question for you this morning is, how hungry are you? Ask the person next to you, how hungry are you? Because I've been hearing your stomach making sounds. And it sounds like an African bebop. I want to talk about the blessings of spiritual hunger first. And then I'm going to talk about the dangers of neglecting spiritual hunger, okay, if you're taking notes. And you'll find this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus, he's teaching on the mount. It's a famous sermon. It's the sermon of Beatitudes, and he says this in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger. Everybody say hunger. hunger. Jesus said it. Blessed are those who hunger. And thirst for righteousness. Not picanha. Or Pão like we had this morning downstairs. You're welcome. But for righteousness, but look what it says next. For they will be filled or fulfilled. So there's a promise there. If you get hungry, you will be fulfilled. 
Jesus reminds us that we truly yearn for righteous life, for a connection with him. He will indeed allow us to find fulfillment. What are signs of spiritual hunger? I'm going to give you some characteristics. So what are signs? Like, what could I look for within my sphere or within my life that would allow me to see spiritual hunger so that I could press in or lean into this? Well, it could look like restlessness for knowing more about God. That's one characteristic. Do you know what else it could look like, Framingham? It could look like a sense of something missing about your purpose and what you're supposed to do. And this thing that is telling you, you could do more for God. That's spiritual hunger. Do you know what else it could look like? A deeper desire to pray or read scripture. Not just to get through it. Not because you said you'd do it for five minutes, because you actually want to spend time with God and because you actually want to know more about who he is. Am I talking to anybody this morning? It's an unquenchable thirst for the presence of God. It's this curiosity about the eternal and the role that you play around the question that everybody has. Why am I truly here? That's what it could look like. But what are the signs of this spiritual hunger in terms of maybe neglecting it? Well, before I get into that, I'll say this. Typically, you are the most hungry when you are the most desperate. This is why God typically does his best work when you're in trouble. Not because he can't otherwise, but because that's when he has your undivided attention. And there was something that we tried because everything in the Bible is there for us to try in terms of blessings and promises. Everybody say, try this. this. I think a decade, over a decade ago, I tried this. See, I've been a Christian all my life, but my encounters have been recently. Is that okay if I confess? And I was at a church uh, six years before this. We served at a church for 18 years in the Boston area. And I was in charge of leading young adults. Shout out, 508. Bible word. Nobody knows. No, I'm kidding. Um, and like many youth pastors or young leaders, I, I was trying to, to find something that would help me grab the attention of the next generation. And so I was trying to be engaging. And so I, I tried things that would... Would, would entertain them. We had marshmallow eating contests. We had pie throwing contests. I won some of those. And we, we tried to get lights and smoke and really good musicians and play the right songs because I was trying to compete with what the world could also offer. And it wasn't until I had this moment of reflection where I said, you know what, I've been trying all these things. And although some people are coming, I'm not seeing life transformed. And so it was in a moment of prayer, of earnest prayer, of just like, Lord, what do I do? Because when you reach a point of desperation, that's where God was waiting for you all along. And he gave something to me and Mari, who at the time she was helping me with this youth and young adults group. And in, in the Holy Spirit, I felt this impression. I felt this whisper in my ear, and, and it sounded like this. It, it sounded like the Lord was saying this. Compete with the world with what the world can't offer. 
And, and so I was like, well, pizza, marshmallows, <laughs> and it was really a call to my practicing hung, being hungry for God. And so at the time we had this house, it was a townhouse, and you know how those are structured with like the top floor, you can like make, make it a mixed room. And so I went up to that room, we were like, you know what, this is the prayer room now. And so we consecrated, and this was the place where, where we decided to, 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 to make it the, the, the place where we were going to pray every day. And so me and my wife, we said, you know what, Let, let's try something. And I'm not saying this is a formula for you. I'm not saying this is exactly what you should do. This is, this is the blueprint or the, or the three steps. This is just what I did because I, I, was, I was hungry for God. And so I, I, we said, we, we were talking, and, and, and we said, you know what? What if we treated the Holy Spirit like a person? Literally, like he's there. And to force my faith, I, I, would, I, would do, I started to do certain things. So we were going to wake up every night at 3 o'clock and pray. The first night I prayed for 30 seconds, God bless. <laughs> but then I started to do certain things that would be like a, a point of contact for my limited faith for me to be able to value the presence that was there. And so I would do things like I would open up the door to the car because it had four doors. And I would say, come on in, Holy Spirit. And I would close the door and I would sit in the front seat and I'd adjust the rear view mirror and I'd say, you're welcome to come on this ride with me. And I started to do things like that. And like in the morning, I'd be brushing my teeth, looking into the mirror, and I would stop and I would say, Holy Spirit, I value your presence here right now. And something started to happen as I, maybe in my childish ways, was, was trying to, to, to see what was already there by calling out things. It, it, it wasn't until I was, I was driving down Route 1 in Revere, and I put some worship song on, and I said, Holy Spirit, even though I can't feel you right now, I just want to thank you for always being there for me. And something happened in that car. And I felt like something stepped into that vehicle. And I couldn't drive. I had to pull over on Route 1. And something overcame me with so much weight. I cried for 20, 30 minutes. I couldn't describe it. And just talking about it with you right now is bringing me back to that moment. And I'm getting emotional, not because I'm trying to move your heart, but because whenever we have a memory of an encounter, it reminds us of how much we've changed in the presence of God. And I remember... It, I had breakthroughs. I had healing. I hadn't spoken to my father for three years. And just a touch of heaven. Just a, a shift in the atmosphere. You see, when, when you're in the presence of the king, your career aspirations, the bills, the trip, the house, the boat, the game, the, the practice, those things start to melt away. And you realize that there is nothing better than to just be hungry for the presence of God. Because when you are before the king, the world comes to a stop. Being hungry for God may look like that for you. And I remember that because we consecrated this space for so long. 
I had so many revelations. A lot of the things that I even speak about today has everything to do with the things that I experienced back in that window of time where we started this series called Intimacy is Everything. And we saw exponential growth within the youth, the youth and the young adults and the students. I mean, it was so, it was so contagious that students were being baptized by the Holy Spirit, that students would go to the pharmacy and they would pray for people in line waiting for prescription medicine, that people would feel, students would feel the, the Holy Spirit speaking to them and they would run across the school and dive under a bathroom stall to stop someone else from taking their lives. We saw a move of God because when you value the presence, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, they always follow, they always follow. There was someone who came to clean our house because we were so busy with, with ministry and work. And uh, there was a Spanish lady, and she went up to the room, and she didn't know that, that, that we wanted to keep that room consecrated, and so we didn't want anybody to go up there. But she didn't know any better. Entonces, ella se fue. That's my... And every Brazilian thinks he can speak Spanish. <laughs> and what happened was she goes into the room, and then uh, Fabricio was downstairs in the kitchen, and she screams, ah! And he runs up the stairs, and she's back on the stairwell outside of my prayer room. I don't say this to boast. I'd say this to make you curious about how it could happen to you. And he went up and he says, what happened? What's going on? Que se pasa, away? <laughs> and she said, there's something in this room. There's something in this room. And she looked like she had seen a ghost. And Fabrizio said, that's the pastor's prayer room. The angels are probably there. I'm not trying to be a mystic this morning. I'm just trying to say if you pursue God, you will find that he was waiting for you there all along. Say with me the dangers of neglecting spiritual hunger. So this is what happens. Typically, do you know, do you know what happens when hunger goes away? Think about when you're not hungry. Not after a meal, but typically when you lose your appetite. Why is that? And then time goes by and you empty yourself of that. And then what happens? You don't want to eat again. Why? Why would you not want to eat? Think biologically. Think about your health. What would the doctor say if you lose your appetite? You may be what? Sick. Because the first thing to go in your spiritual life is when you're sick. It's hunger. Because when you're sick, you lose your appetite. And so the danger is that if you neglect feeding your spirit, that also deteriorates. And it can lead to spiritual stagnation or deterioration. And we may find ourselves drifting or doubting from God, becoming more vulnerable to temptations that you used to win before. And now you're giving up on certain things and you're feeling maybe a little lost or you're feeling maybe a little empty. 
Well, what are some signs of spiritual dehydration or spiritual starvation? I'll give you some characteristics of what I've seen as a pastor over the years. Maybe this isn't all of them, but just so that I could give you a picture of what I'm saying. You start to seek satisfaction in temporary things. It's a misplaced fulfillment. Another thing is you give in to temptation easier than than before. You resist less is what I'm trying to say. And instead of resisting, you get better at justifying it. And you think prayer, it's boring. And you didn't like the worship song, so you didn't sing. But what you forgot was that the worship song was never for us. The worship song was for God. And we don't sing and worship him because he's needy. Or because, God, or because God's high maintenance, or because he's got a complex syndrome. We do it for the benefit of us. The Bible doesn't say that he is, he, is, he is desperate for people that worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says he is searching. He doesn't need, but he's searching, because those who worship him are the ones that are the most blessed. You know why? Because when we worship God, we look like him. And if there's anything that can make our lives better, it's to look more like Jesus every single day. And this is one that hits me. Because even as a pastor, I've had my ups and downs, y'all. And sometimes it's when we're reading the Bible. Seven seconds into it. Slept 11 hours that day. <laughs> Picked up the Bible. Ah! Ah. I mean, do you really think that's a coincidence? It's a spiritual distraction. Try reading the Bible standing up. But one of the signs of spiritual dehydration is you read the Bible and you immediately get sleepy. Can anybody relate to this or am I just confessing alone? I saw all those hands go up in TC. We're going to pray later. But now let me give you the steps. Everybody say, give me the steps. Tell the person next to you, this is the snack life. I'm going to feed your hunger with passionate practicals and feed your passionate practicals with hunger. Okay? So here we go. Number one is connect. Say this with me. Say connect. Yeah. Let me hear you say it in Framingham. Say connect. Yeah. Okay. You guys got new sound panels, so it didn't echo as much. Number one is, this is the first category of first, you got to connect. The first practical is feeding on the word. Feeding on the word. Okay. Regular Bible study and meditation. And you'll find a reference in Joshua 1.8 that says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, consequence, you will be prosperous and successful. And so what I want you to do, write this down, is I want you to make it a routine, a specific time Every day where you're going to read and meditate. What is read and meditate? It means read with the intention of remembering forever. Read with the intention of remembering forever. That's what meditate on it. Because if you can always talk about what's written and it just flows off your lips, it means you're meditating, okay? Okay. 
Instead of saying what politics is saying or that new novella that came out, you can actually quote some scriptures, not so that you can show it around as a trophy, but because it blesses you to know the truth. Can I get an amen? amen? So number one is you feed on the Bible. And for you readers, you should never stop reading the Bible for another book. You can read an addition to that book. But never not read the Bible because you want that new self-help book or you want to read a book about the Bible. I'm telling you, if you don't understand the Bible, all you have to do is invite the author to help you read it with you. Number two, establish a daily prayer routine. Okay? And you'll find a biblical reference in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says, Pray without ceasing. Create a prayer journal. A note app, write, pray, and then write down what you prayed, okay? Because this has an ability to further ingrain the habit of praying. You don't just have to pray in a session. You could always be talking to God, but there is value to intentionality within a time period. This journal can serve as a testament or a memorial of your conversations with God. And what I want is when I pass to eternity for my sons and daughters to be able to read what I wrote and spoke about with God. Number three, category two, disconnect. Write this down. Disconnect. And you'll find a biblical reference in Matthew 6, 18. It says, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees you what is done in secret will reward you. Engage in fasting. Engage in disconnecting. What could you stop doing for the sake of your relationship with God? I mean, when you think about what it means to be hungry, it's basically wanting. It's basically desiring. Do you want your relationship with God to thrive more than your time on social media? More than being up to date with where everybody's going on vacation and you came to church? It doesn't refer only to abstaining from food, but it could also mean taking a break for certain activities. And so in preparation for this message, I cut two things this week. I cut TV and I cut Instagram. And it's amazing how much day you have left once you cut from the world. Category number three, write this down, get involved. And point number four is serve in your local church or community. And the biblical reference is Galatians 5.13. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, but through love to serve one another. Engage in serving. Here at Connect, we have the dream team. And you could find out how you can get involved by going through next steps if you haven't gone through. But there's something about getting in community with people that are running the same race that helps you stay running. Like if you asked us what did we do well in Framingham, it was coming together as a family. Because there's something about coming together, getting involved, that gives you the sense of ownership of the kingdom. And so you're not just going to church anymore. Then you start saying, I'm going to my church. 
You see that? Once you start to take ownership of your faith by getting involved in participating, you'll soon realize that Christianity is a full participation sport where you are not called to be on the sidelines, but to walk inside the game of life and to make a difference for people that are watching you and will stand because of your steadfastness. Last one. Join a small group or a Bible study group. Biblical reference is Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling. Everybody say assembling. If you say that ten times, you'll be baptized in the Spirit. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you engage in regular fellowship outside of Sunday, it helps with the day in the life of Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. When I first came to Connect six years ago, it wasn't the sermon that helped me grow the most. It was community with people that held me accountable to the things that I already knew. You see, the pastor isn't here on Sunday to give you a new revelation. No. The best pastors remind you of the things that you already know, but you stop doing. That's what the small group is for. And the last one is be intentional. If you could stand with me this morning. Be intentional has two. Number one is limit distractions. You'll see the verse come up. And number seven is be a giver. You see, in this fast-paced world, we are constantly distracted. The world is paying for your attention. The world economy is shifting. The people that, or companies, that are the most successful are the ones that can grab your attention the most. The currency of the new economy is attention-gathering ability. And so now more than ever, there is so much investment from advertising, from marketing, from technology, from friendships, and all it wants is your attention. It wants you to look at me, look at this, look at that. And the problem is, it's very, very, very engaging, isn't it? You'll be stuck in a rabbit hole for 20 minutes on reels because it's so engaging. Because the algorithm, and just so you know, the future of algorithm is the attempt to replace intimacy. I'm in tech for 12 years. I know what I'm talking about. Don't think that the AI revolution is here only to help. But the real danger of the AI revolution is that the algorithms are an attempt to help people connect more with machines than with each other. And isn't that a plan of the enemy? As we leave here today and the campus pastors and MCs take stage, I want to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to prioritize your spiritual growth. Let's be people who passionately pursue God. Not just when we are in need, but every single day of our lives. Because that pursuit, it will fill you with purpose, with joy, 
in true fulfillment. We love you, Framingham. We love you, TC. If you're here for the first time or you're, you've come before, before I give you an invitation, I want to speak to the church if that's okay. I want you to take inventory of the distractions in your life. There's a purpose to distraction. The reason why new ideology and identity politics has captured the minds of so many Americans is because there was a void of purpose in our country. We're more acceptable to new things when we're empty. And the enemy has taken advantage of that void. But I want to give you a chance to stand. Not just for what you believe, but also with what you can do because you believe. Because we're living this moment in our country, and I don't know if you know this. We are in a spiritual battle. The United States is in a spiritual battle for its true identity. Are we a Christian nation or are we a post-Christian nation? And the, the, the front lines is the local church. The front lines is how you show up to work. The front lines is you being a Daniel in this generation where you don't bow down to the idols that the world is saying. And we stand for truth. There is a God and he is real because he can be known. And, and just because the world screams louder doesn't make it true. Just because there's, there's a galvanizing in new ideology doesn't make it true. Do you know what makes it true? Revelations chapter 4. Do you want to be curious about your God? Listen to this. And try to imagine this, what it really looks like. And this is a revelation of John, the beloved, one of the disciples. If you don't see God as a supernatural, everlasting entity, read this chapter when you get home. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read first, and then we're going to go. After this, I looked up, and before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit and there was before me a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne 
were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of light, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, in the front and in the back. The first living creature was a lion, the second was an ox, the third was the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings day and night they never stop saying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come hallelujah hallelujah you have no idea what God is you have no idea what he's capable of this whole new UFO talk it's probably these guys traveling Do you really know God? Do you really know God? Look at this. Our minds cannot wrap around the glory and the power and the majesty and the light and the purity of who He is. All you need is not more teaching. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We are living in an age where even the truth has versions. But let me tell you something, when you have a personal experience, even the facts don't matter because you know in your knower that he is who he is. If you could close your eyes where you are, I'm gonna pray for you. If you could lift your hands up like this in a sign of you're going to receive something. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of doubt and I instill in them now the ability to pursue in Jesus' mighty name, say this with me. Say, I, I will, will chase God. I, I will chase God. I will chase God. Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here visiting, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've come before, but you've never officially said yes to this crazy adventure called Christianity. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And I want you to know that there is a path, a plan, and a purpose for you also. One, God loves you so much and you'll never know. Two, this is your moment where if you accept Jesus, life destiny changes right now three if that's you go ahead and put your hand up so I can see you I see you to my right thank you sir I see you in the middle thank you ma'am I see you in the back middle I see you in the back left thank you for your courage I see you in the back right thank you for your courage I see you in the back also thank you Jesus I see you to my left up front thank you for that decision thank you for the confidence thank you Holy Spirit for doing that which what I cannot and if you rose your if you if you've risen your hand I want you to pray after me and the whole church will do it together to support you say Lord Jesus I acknowledge that you are Lord. I believe that you died and rose again. And I confess that I need help. So help me now. In Jesus' name, I give myself to you. Amen and amen. Give God praise for those decisions. God bless you.